pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Prescott is in the gun. Back on his right. They'll give it to Pollard. He's going to be hit from me. Oh, he kept it. He's still going running up the middle. Touchdown. Oh, he faked me out. He did not fake out Jake Goldberg. He said, no, he's got it. What a great fake in an 18. I'm sorry. I got lost in the jam. It's R&R in the morning. That was Brad Sham, and it faked us all out as the Cowboys take a victory in to the bye week. We'd like to welcome in the dark and dusky. Well lit, R.J. Ochoa. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Happy um, Taylor Swift 1989 re-release day uh, to you two. I know that you are, are the two of those who celebrate. So Is that a thing? A big day in your life. So there's a re-release today. Yeah. Today, I mean, you're aware that she's releasing her album. This is one of the more popular genius. pop culture phenomenons that's been so, going on for two genius. years. Genius. This is this is music that's already been released. That's being that's, yeah, what, a, that's what a re-release is, Rob. Well, I mean, so what exactly am I buying in this? Is it like redone, remixed? The, it's, it's the TLDR is it's her version. Um, the the rights to her music. Were oh, so this is what it is. I got with. you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's she's basically to Rudy's point, making a filthy amount of money off of material that has already existed. Well, um, she owns but, her masters now, so it's it's genius because she's she's while Travis is clearly elevated. She's also elevated. You know, we don't. We're only talking about Travis getting twelve commercials. But when you own your masters and you're on TV more than the Cowboys, it's only right you do this. So she's the biggest story in the NFL this season, which is a lot to say when you're talking about your RJ Dallas Cowboys. Um, yeah, I mean, at some point Taylor Swift's going to perform in a Super Bowl, and I would assume that, that that's oh, going to yes. be the one at AT and T Stadium. Um, so <laughs> it will it will be about the Cowboys. I mean, you know I mean, like it, yeah. it, it may not, they may not be playing, uh, but you know they'll be involved in, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if you guys know this or not. The Cowboys tomorrow, or not tomorrow, Sunday, have Fox's number one broadcast crew. Six times in seven games, the Cowboys have the top crew. America's team. You guys hang banners Absolutely. for titles and whatnot, but um, you know, that's what really matters. That's all we aspire to as Dallas Cowboy fans is having the A team at noon. That's really all that matters. He's RJ Ochoa. You're getting the, the A team at 736 in the Blessed AM. So uh, coming off of bye week, all the talk about the offense and running and moving quarterbacks, listening to his feet. What did you say, Rudy? The uh, Cowboys are 11-5. and five. No, Mike McCarthy. Mike is 11-5 and five coming off the bye week. What do you, what's your expectations here with, with what appears to be a completely healthy Cowboy football team, apart from a Tyron neck thing from yesterday? Yeah, the Tyron thing is yeah. predictable. It's, it's really sad. I mean, like, you want to feel bad for somebody. Look, at, look, you know, look up Tyron Smith's name after injury reports come out. People are really mean to him. Um, <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, you would hope the expectation is coming out and serving as a well-oiled, efficient machine, fresh off of rest and relaxation. 
Um, but it's really difficult to assume that that's who this team's going to be, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Now, you know, the Rams defense is, is gettable, um, but so was the Chargers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this Cowboys offense was pulling teeth against them. And so I, I think you, you, you can't assume anything. I mean, if, if there's one thing we've learned so far on this young season about this Cowboys team, you cannot assume anything. Um, but my, my expectation would be that early on we would see some things offensively that will make us feel better. You know, there will be some eye candy involved. Um, it, it'll be like, um, you know, how, how you know, you, apparently people serve the best wine first. Uh, you know, I think that's what the Cowboys are going to do. Like, hey, you guys have been waiting a long time. Here's all the good stuff. And by the time the fourth quarter rolls around and everybody's a little bit, uh, you know, in a certain mood, that's when things are best to the mean. And unfortunately, that's when everyone's going to get pissed off. That's my expectation, but I hope hmm. I'm wrong. I want you to listen to this. I know you've already heard it, but I want you to listen to it in the quarters with the fans and us on Mike McCarthy on Tony Pollard. And I want, I want to ask you a question. Six games, you know, I, I think those things all – I think players of Tony's caliber, um, you know, it, 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 the cream will come to the top. You know, I, I, I do believe that. And I think, but also just stating the obvious, I think he's, you know, he's the featured player there. You know, it's, you know, we're, you know, the last three years it was him and Zeke. Uh, so, you know, I just think job responsibility, you know, the brightness of the light, you know, focused on him, all those things. Playing that. <laughs> the heaviest the head that wears R the crown, RJ, right? Help me with that. Like, again, because I – I come to you to be the voice of reason, and I and I don't. When I first heard it, I was like, "Wait, did he just say it's a lot different when you're the guy?" Didn't Emmett tell us that too? Um, so Mike McCarthy and Emmett Smith both know a lot more about football than I do. Be very yeah, yeah, straight yeah. up and clear at the beginning. Um. Let me also say that, look, this is a, a random middle-of-the-week comment from Mike McCarthy. You know, I don't put an enormous amount of stock in this. Okay. Okay, but I want to go one step further, RJ, because just now, and if you missed any of it, he is coming back, the uh, Mike McCarthy interview brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds, just after 9 o'clock. And uh, we ask him, like, uh, 30 rush attempts a game, that's where you're sitting right now. Is that a, a number you're comfortable with? And obviously, he went into, well, you got to delve into the numbers, and at 30,000 feet, yada, yada, yada. But he did say afterwards that, you know, the entire structure of this offense is not about – it's about getting – he said spreading the ball to your perimeter. And it doesn't matter how they get the ball. It's just that they get the ball. So he's getting away from running the ball to Pollard and counting a little short pass as a running play for Pollard. All of these things my, – my biggest problem is all these things sound contradictory. Um, you know, entering the San Francisco game, which was a while ago now, but you know, Pollard was leading the league in carries. I mean, so like, okay, mm -hmm. if if you're really waiting for the cream to rise to the top, if if there is this like stabilization period that comes with being the one, the I, I mean, the lights being brighter, um, as silly of a cliche as that is, then then why feed him the ball so aggressively early on if you know that? Um, also that's dumb and silly <laughs> that bright lights could affect him as a runner. Uh, so why, why is, I mean, again, that's where I think this is just a little bit of coach speak. I also think, and again, I'm, I'm not going to help the guy from, you know, making analogies. I mean, I'm, you know, my hands are red in that sense, but like, what, what does that mean, Mike, that the cream will rise to the top? Like I can understand, I can't, but the way that that will happen by like laws and principles of thermodynamics, like there's a reason that the cream will rise to the top. What is the reason 
that Tony Pollard is going to become more involved offensively. And this perimeter nonsense, I wrote this big article. I'm trying to flex. It was about a thousand words last week. Um, I'm kind of sick of this, you know, perimeter at work. You need to work the middle of the field. You, that, that can be Pollard. That can be CeeDee Lamb. That can be Michael Gallup if you want to give him 10 more targets. But the Cowboys are shying away from the middle of the field. And, Rudy, I know you're excited to jump. I can see you. Um, Jane Slater, a uh, friend of the station, I shared a comment on the Around the NFL mm-hmm. podcast um, right after the Archers game. And I wrote about I, I included that in the article where she said that she asked somebody about the play calling. And I'm paraphrasing here. And she was like, is this like a result of the interceptions from last year? Like, are, is there some sort of conservative nature here? And she said that she got an answer that was like, we're not going to talk about that. So, <laughs> you know, again, just k- k- kind of funny to think about. But, I mean, dude, like, quit being so shy. Like, you, you have to be more aggressive than this. You don't have to be all the way aggressive, but, like, it, you, you can't be living on this end of the spectrum. Joined by RJ Ochoa blogging the boys. But, RJ, I think, again, at some point we just have to believe what we're seeing. And a coach or an offensive coordinator or play caller, whatever you want to call him, it isn't calling anything for his quarterback to throw the ball over the middle of the field, which you you can see, James Slater can see, everybody can see, is a clear indication to me that the confidence in Dak isn't there no matter what he's telling us. Because why aren't they attacking it? Because you're right. I think you're 100% right. And if you can see that and you just admitted that he knows more football than you, then what is the reason they're not doing it? I don't. The only thing I don't put stock into is that it's a lack of belief in that. You don't put um, any stock like, in that, really? Okay, go ahead. I'll let no, you finish. Because, go ahead. But because, first of all, these are principles of the West Coast offense. I mean, these get it out quick, you know, work the size of the field, whatever. Like, And this has been one of the most successful offenses in the NFL for, like, 45 years. So, I mean, I can understand trusting the machine in that sense. But – more than anything, Mike is somebody who people bag on him because he talked about analytics. And since he isn't Mike McDaniel, everybody thinks he's the dumbest person in the world. But <laughs> he is somebody who, who is analytically sound. And so where I come down with, I think Mike believes that there's a, there's a complete and total way to win a football game. And it isn't about not trusting Dak. It's about trusting the process. I mean, it's about trusting, mm. look, our defense is going to wear them down. We just need to be conservative as an offense. Like, independent of who the quarterback happens to be, we just have to survive and let them eat the other team alive, and we just have to not make mistakes. And you can argue that that's shying away from interceptions, but I don't think that's because Dak kind of had an interception problem last year. I think that's he – he wants to be, um, you know, an anaconda that wraps their body around somebody else and just waits them out. And mm. so that's what we're seeing on the offensive side of the ball. An anaconda that waits people out. R.J. Ochoa joining us here on R&R. Uh, you have a second rounder to spend, R.J. you got to spend it. you got a second rounder to go shopping with. And you have an ability to go get a wide receiver, Devontae Adams, or a running back in, in uh, Derrick Henry. Um, what would you get to go cure the, what ills this offense? Uh, well, first of all, I'm more than happy to spend my second round pick. The Cowboys are terrible with it, so you know you could, we could look for the, the first it. one in there as well. I'm good on that, um, but um, a, a second isn't moving Devonte Adams. The Raiders aren't picking up the phone. The Raiders are, are laughing, they're screening your calls, Rob. For a second, but I have pick. a second rounder uh, to spend on a wide receiver. I just throw Devonte out there. But let's say they, they they're going to spend some valuable capital, uh, as RJ, I mean, as Jerry would would call it. What would you go get some wide receiver? A wide receiver, 
it would be Hunter Renfro. And so it'd be Devontae's teammate. That would be the, the okay. name I'd be targeting. Because I want somebody who can work the middle of the field. I want somebody who can win at the point of separation, somebody who's quick and fast and shifty. If you don't want to go Hunter Renfro, Kendrick Bourne at the New England Patriots. What I like about Kendrick Bourne is he's in a contract year. So if he wants, if he gets paid, the Cowboys love this. You get a compensatory pick in 2025, although I really doubt he's getting a big-time contract in the free agency. I'm, I'm not of the mindset that believes you've got to go trade for a running back. Um, I, I don't, I'm not ready to panic on Tony Pollard. I know that Derek – look, if, I'd love to write about Derek Henry being a possibility for the Cowboys. The, the numbers on that would be stupid amazing, but I just don't believe in that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but my second – actually, my most preferred option, if you ask me, like, the trade I want to pull off, it's Jalen Johnson of Rudy Chicago Bears, who he never talks about with any level of pride for obvious reasons. Uh, but Jalen Johnson, former second-round draft pick. I like that, too. Um, he's, he's, he's also entering a contract year, and he is likely going to see some sizable money on the open market in the offseason. You want to trade your third-round, fourth-round draft pick for Jalen Johnson, get 11 games of the regular season, and hopefully some change in the playoffs out of him. He had two interceptions last week, took one back to the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then again, if you, don't, if you do re-sign him, awesome, great. You have him, Trayvon Diggs, and Deron Bland back in the fold for the foreseeable future. If you don't, then, yeah, you get your comp pick a year later and you ultimately recoup what you invested. But my ideal you know, situation is trading for him because – and everybody wants Pat Sertan of the Broncos, and I understand why. But if you trade for Jalen Johnson, you improve every corner position on your team. I love Jordan Lewis, but you help Stephon Gilmore because he no longer has to be the guy. You help Deron Bland because he can now kick back inside and play Great nickel, point. play the slot where he thrives. Not that he is – you know, bad or poor, but I mean, you know, this is all about maximizing what you're doing here. And I like Jordan Lewis, but then he goes back to being a great six man off the bench. And that's what you want in this particular season. So Jalen Johnson, the Chicago bears, that's my Nirvana. Uh, You know, I, I I thought you wrote a great piece the other day on the, the trade situation as a whole RJ, because it's like, we're treating Jerry like he never made a move, but I thought the best point was like, look, going into, Next year, the fourth, and you, and if I misquote you, just correct me in your answer. They already don't have a fourth, fifth, and a sixth. They do have a seventh, right? And they may get a compensatory. So, considering all the contracts that you're going to have to pay out when you talk about Mike, you talk about CD, and you talk about Diggs and Dak, with all those contracts that you're going to be paying on, aren't the picks a premium? And that, and it kind of justifies Jerry and his like, hey. I'm going to sit on my hands. I, I, I'm i going to need these draft picks because I'm paying out so much money. I'm going to need some rookie deals that I can have guys produce on. I mean, yes, but if you're banking on your fourth, fifth, and sixth no, round draft yeah, picks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, should. Playing, you know, in, in your roster, I mean, like there's, there's logic to that and there's fairness mm-hmm. to that, but I mean – you know, you you have your money picks. You have, you have your foundational picks. And, like, that's what truly matters most. And guess what? Like, you know, the Cowboys are going to convince everyone that paying C.D. Lamb and paying Michael Parsons and paying Dak Prescott is going to end the world. But <laughs> that they is still what have say. money. Okay. Yeah, they, they will still have money to go, you know, fill other positional needs in agency. Um, the draft is valuable. But, I mean, you know, they also don't necessarily have a great track record of success in the fifth round. I mean, you know what I mean? So, like, and, you know, if you really want to trust their drafting prowess, if you think, oh, man, we got to hold on to these draft picks because that's how they're going to build a team, name me the rookie they drafted that, that is contributing right now this season. Like, who, who's the draft pick that you're like, thank God they spent that pick on this dude because it ain't Monty Smith, 
It's not Luke Schoonmaker. I mean, the only, you know, come to, my, my only one that comes to mind is Tyler. That's, yeah. it. And that's, that's, that's been about a year or two. That, that was two years. Yeah, yeah right, you're right, right. a couple like, years. You know, like the, the name everybody was so excited about was Deuce Vaughn, who was a sixth-round draft pick, who wasn't even active the last Ooh. time they played a football game. Man. The most impactful rookies on the team are Hunter Lipke, the fullback, and Brandon Aubrey, both of whom were undrafted free agents. So, Again, I'm not trying to baby out with the bathwater and say, like, they suck at draft and trade all of your draft picks. But, um, th- like, it's proof. And, and some years they've had amazing draft classes where everyone contributes True. right away. But it's proof It's proof that you shouldn't just, like, clutch onto the draft picks because we can't give them away. What if we turn this pick into a future uh, yeah. all player? Yeah. But what if you trade it and get one of those dudes right now? Belichick managed for 20 years not to deal with draft picks. That is RJ Ochoa right here on San Antonio Sports Star. Uh, they're opening up the vault. The Ring of Honor will be occupied by number 94 as D-Ware goes in. Uh, what's the process? What's the weekend going to look like and, you know, the game layout? And then who do you figure is next on the Ring of Honor list if it's not J.J.? <laughs> It's not. See, um, I won't write about Derrick Henry joining the Cowboys. I will absolutely write about the Ring of Honor any chance I get um, because I'm not trying to get self-righteous, but I think we sort of owe it to Jimmy Johnson. Um, like, if, if we don't keep talking about this, who will? Um, <laughs> and so I'm I'm really happy for DeMarcus Ware. Um, he's one of the – he might be the best draft pick in the Jerry Jones post-Jimmy Johnson era. Um, I think there's a maybe Jason Witten could could be made as an argument. Soon enough, we'll have those discussions about Tyron Smith and Zach Martin as right. well, and Dak Prescott will certainly enter the fold, given that he was a draft pick. But um, I mean, halftime is is the ceremony, and so they'll have a video, I imagine, narrated by the likes of Jay Ratliff, uh, maybe Greg Olis or Greg Olis, goodness gracious, Greg Ellis gets involved. Greg <laughs> Olson will be on the call. Nice. Um, I mean, I think it will be cool to kind of relive and celebrate DeMarcus's um, time. Now, besides the Jimmy factor, this is a bit depressing because DeMarcus is the first, you know, Ring of Honor member of the drought era. Right. He's, he's the first one who's played his entire career in this time that, you know, and it's awkward because he has a Super Bowl title that he won with the Broncos. And so, um, you're happy for him that he was able to pull that off individually, but um, he's he's kind of a, an example of that. I mean, think about it. The dude was drafted, played his whole career, sat out the mandatory time period, entered the Hall of Fame, even not even as a first ballot Hall of Famer, and is now entering the Ring of Honor, and all this time has passed, and the Cowboys still can't get over the same hump. Um, and, you know, the Jimmy Johnson thing, you know, we can joke about it, but I mean, Jimmy's in the Miami Dolphins Ring of Honor. Like, this is wow. so sad. JJ, wow. Like, I love J.J. Watt, but J.J. Watt is in the Houston Texans wow. Ring of Honor. Well, he, he shouldn't be in the like, Dolphin. Why is no, Jimmy no. in the Dolphin Ring of Honor? Because they understand who he is. For what he offered Ring them? Ring. No, for what he offered the well, NFL. Didn't, Miami, didn't the Heat put Jordan into their building? Yeah, but that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's some of, some of those things can be silly. I think Jimmy's not the most silly example, but, I mean... Where I feel for everyone is it's a talking point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, earlier this week, the Cowboys tweeted about, hey, DeMarcus is going to the Ring of Honor this week, and blah, blah, blah. You come through all the replies, put Jimmy in, put Jimmy in, put Jimmy in. That is so mean to do to DeMarcus Ware. Like, why, why should his moment you know, be I drowned, that. you know, by, by people who, are, who have a, a right and fair point to bring up Jimmy? And so, you know, then people say, well, don't ruin DeMarcus's moment. It's like, well, everyone has a right to feel this way. It's a really awkward situation that has an incredibly – easy fix. I mean, you're literally excluding not just the, some of the Dolphins Ring of Honor. You're literally excluding a Hall of Famer. I love the Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor. It pales in comparison to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
So you are excluding somebody who the most prestigious fraternity in this game's glorious history has acknowledged as one of the greatest coaches mm-hmm. of all time. It's fundamentally dumb and petty. Wow. Are you worried about Nakua and Cup and Atwell, who, I mean, I know we don't talk about Atwell much, RJ, but he does lead them in touchdowns as far as the receiving core goes. And, you know, when you look at Stafford, been intercepted six times, sacked 18 times. If they don't get to Stafford, he can't, he does have the ability to carve them up. Yeah, I mean, I'm terrified, to be honest with you. Really? Um, I, I, I didn't expect because sometimes, you know, sometimes you're like, hey, man, Rudy, this is cool terrified. and everything. Cowboys going to kill him. I didn't expect to hear that. Dude, Stafford's been dealing this season. I mean, like, he, he looks like vintage, you know, Matty Staff. And um, I actually, you know, don't really look forward to games where he plays the Cowboys because we have to hear the same thing mm-hmm. a million times. Like, we'll hear about Highland Park, yep. Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw, Little League, blah, blah, <laughs> yeah. blah. Um, yeah, yeah so true. But, um, but, but he's been playing really, really, really well. And Cooper Cup is back. And it bothers me because – a, a strong opinion of mine in the past has been that Sean McVay is not that great of a coach and is a bit of a coward, and that's tough, tough scene this year because I really feel like he's making lemonade with, with what he's got going on. It's impressive. The Puka Nakua thing is obviously cool and fun, and I hope something that chills out at least for this week. Um, but, you know, if, if they're able to score, what, what terrifies me is I don't trust the Cowboys to be able to go shot for shot with anybody right now. And, and so if they're able to put up 27, 30 points, that feels like enough right now. I mean, if, if you can handle this defense that way, I just I don't have the faith. I need to see it to believe it more that the Cowboys offense can live up to their end of the bargain. Do you need any of our Rangers gear, RJ? I can get it down to the Valley pretty quick. I think considering y'all's, some, relationship, hat, y'all's just, relationship, RJ, considering y'all are so tight, it's like a, a, a third son. I think that's a low blow. Um, you know, I'm proud of Rob for, for being feisty and spicy and aggressive. Um, and, uh, and cause you know what, Rob is at least creative with his, uh, low blows. Like Rudy stands there and poses in the same spot with different hats every day of the week and whips out a Rangers hat. And then he gets Astros fans commenting and he's like, Whoa, why are y'all upset? Like, you know, at least, at least Rob leans into it. You know what I mean? Rob, Rob's here to play the villain. Uh, Rudy wants to live in the play on both sides of the fence. Look, Definitely. This was a really awkward two weeks for me. Uh-huh. I'm very happy that it's over. I'm sad that the, it went the way that it did. The the Altuve win happened on my birthday, so for that awesome. I will always be very grateful. Um, but um, I'm also look. This is a weird take, and I know how it sounds because my team lost. I'm a little sports out. Um, I, I had the second I got TV. You. Yeah, I had the second TV in the living room for all this stuff lately. Um, I'm, I'm kind. It's been exhausting to keep up with primetime football and baseball and flipping and moving. The now the Spurs are back. Like I got. And yeah, exactly. I mean, like I'm, I'm a little drained. I mean, I just need you know everyone to calm down. It's a great time of year, but this was a lot to devote you know an insane amount of energy towards. Um, and I thank you for uh, telling Dusty Baker thank you. Yes, because uh, a lot, a lot of Astro fans don't appreciate him. So I, I can appreciate that you appreciated Dusty and I, what he did and coming in when he came in. Because remember, he handled Barry Bonds and then coming in off of the whatever you want to call it that went on with the Astros in 17, handled it well, handled like a pro, and got him back to the promised land. So I appreciate you appreciating Dusty. I think a lot of Astros fans are unwilling to say that they that the team needed Dusty's good guy image. I mean, like, it, it helped soften the blow for a lot of things. Um, did he have – some decisions of that I disagreed with for a very long time. Yeah, um, but he's a baseball legend, you know, and 
will always be the team he won a title with. That's a cool thing. Um, I mean, they weren't unsuccessful in that run. And look, I mean, do I wish they'd had more success? Yeah, but like I'm complaining about four straight LCS appearances. I mean, like let's have some perspective here. It's not like we're the 49ers that, you know, mm-hmm. pretend to accomplish a lot of things and get a lot of credit for it, even though our their Super Bowl drought is longer than the Cowboys. That is RJ Ochoa poking people in the eye on the way That's out, as do. he should That's be what doing. Do. Have a fantastic week, weekend. Refresh and renew, and we'll talk to you next. Rob, I hope you got one of those Wemby t-shirts. I saw Jack did. They're beautiful.